You're listening to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and today we're going to be talking about Fortnite. What parent doesn't love Fortnite? Okay, maybe not everybody loves Fortnite, but what I want to talk about is something that I have brought up on prior episodes of the show, and that is how the news can misinterpret legal matters. They can pull a docket, they can pull documents from a court proceeding, and they can report on it, and it's not 100% accurate. Now, I guess the argument is that they're not lawyers, they're news reporters, and so they are gathering information thinking that what they're saying is an accurate reflection, but in reality, some of these headlines can be misleading, and I, I, I want to make sure that you know our listeners understand when they're reading something in the newspaper or online, um, what it actually means, and is it exactly as it's being reported? So Fortnite, in particular, has been in the news a lot over the the past few months, A, because Epic Games, the company that has created Fortnite, has made so much money, it's not even funny, Uh, B, because some of the parents out there are complaining that their kids become complete jerks when they play the game, and more recently, there has been a series of lawsuits filed against Epic Games and some other Um, video game production companies because they are using, allegedly using copyright protected dance moves and other things within these these games. And I want to talk about that because uh, recent reports suggest that the Fortnite lawsuits have been dismissed. And I want to explain that it's not exactly as you would interpret it from reading the headlines. So before I get into that, I just want to thank you for listening and make sure that you subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave some feedback, uh, give us a rating. You know, Hopefully it's a five-star rating, but your feedback and subscription on iTunes, You know, obviously this is a free podcast, but it just helps us get the word out to other people that might be searching for this type of podcast that we're here and that we might have some valuable information and content for them. So uh, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show over on iTunes. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and TuneIn. Um, pretty soon we're going to be available on or through the the Amazon Alexa devices. So we're out there. You can find us. If you want to go to the website, it's utlradio.com. Right, let's talk about Fortnite. So um, I've got three kids. And all of them have played Fortnite. And I will admit that I myself have played Fortnite. I am no good at it, but that's not important. My kids, however, are really, really good at it. And I kind of like it. I know that there is a lot in the media from, from parents. And not to pick on the moms, because my wife is on the Fortnite hate train, or at least she was for a while, um, and, and you know what? Quite frankly, I'll tell you, there may be some truth to these complaints. So moms have been complaining for a while that their kids turn into jerks when they're they're playing Fortnite. And I have a theory about that because I, I have to say, my wife complained. And at first I was like, oh, come on, it's just a video game. 
But then I started to see what she was talking about. And I think it has to do with not necessarily the game itself, but the competitive nature of the game and how if you are the, the they call them skins, the character that, that you get when you start playing, they're in a costume, right? And that's considered the skin. If, if you don't have anything other than what it comes with, then it's a default skin. And so I think that there is almost a caste system or status that your kids deal with. Oh, you're only a default skin. And, oh, you have the season five, you know, uh, uh, 100 battle pass win thing and, and you're a different skin. And so I think that that's where a lot of the being a jerk comes from because I think there's this this competitive element to it. But that's for another show. This show, I want to talk about these recent headlines concerning the lawsuits. So for those of you who may, might not know um, or, or maybe just forgot about it, a bunch of celebrities, including um, Alfonso R- Roberto or Ribeiro, not Roberto, Ribeiro, uh, he was uh, Carlton, if you recall, um, and a few others, uh, some, some rappers, uh, Terrence Ferguson, and others are complaining that Fortnite Epic Games has stolen these dance moves and that these dance moves actually belong to these individuals. So, for example, talking about Alfonso Ribeiro, he played the character Carlton, and if you recall Carlton on the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he had a unique dance style, right? Goofy, nerdy, and that was his dance thing. And so throughout his career, he has referred to that dance as the Carlton. And I think that pop culture agrees that that's the name of that dance. Um, So what the allegations are is that Epic Games took these dance moves and used them without the quote-unquote creator's permission and thereby violated copyright law. And so they filed these lawsuits, and one firm in particular was handling most of these lawsuits. And the question that everyone is asking is, is this sort of dance something that is even able to be copyright protected? And there's requirements for what can and cannot be copyright protected, particular unique um dance moves may be protected, but an overall dance might not be protected. And this this is a very, very gray area. And you can look at the copyright law and you can make arguments either way. But I don't want to talk about that today. I don't want to talk about the actual copyright argument. What I want to talk about is how the media has portrayed the current status of these lawsuits. So most of the reports online, you look it up and it says that the Fortnite lawsuits have been dismissed. Or you'll see things like, oh, Carlton, no joy for you because the lawsuit was dismissed. And to the average reader, and I have to tell you, when I first saw the headlines, I thought it too. But to the average reader, it seems as though the merits of the claim were addressed and the case was dismissed. And perhaps the ruling and, and, and you know, uh, outcome 
is that you can't copyright protect these dances, right? That's what I think the average reader assumes based upon the headlines. So I started looking into it and went to the actual cases themselves, all right? I looked at the news reports and, you know, the way that news reports work, somebody will write a report uh, maybe on the associate, for the Associated Press and others will pick up on the headline and they'll, you know, not copy it, but mimic it and talk about the same thing. And then it gets spread around on blogs and all over the place. And, and before you know it, everybody's got the same or similar story and headline. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, you know, I really want to know how the court ruled on this copyright issue because I personally don't believe that these dances are copyright protected and I believe that Epic Games can use them. So I was interested to see what happened. And I look at the docket of these cases and I realize that the cases were not decided on their merits. In fact, the plaintiff's attorney, remember the plaintiff is the party that's suing. So Alfonso's attorney, for example, as the plaintiff's attorney, he voluntarily dismissed his complaint. So he essentially filed it. And then before the other parties could answer the complaint, he voluntarily dismissed it. Why would he do that? And what does that mean? Well, he voluntarily dismissed it because there is a rule, not a rule, but a, a court decision that had come out um, sometime late last year. And it basically says that before you can file a lawsuit, right, you have to have already had a ruling by the Copyright Office. Now, when I say ruling, I mean you have to have submitted your application and the copyright office has to decide whether or not your material fits the criteria for copyright protection. Now, in the case of Alfonso, he only filed his copyright claim. He only filed his application for copyright approval weeks before he filed the lawsuit. So, you know, it seems to me like he never tried to copyright the dance before, never thought that it was something that needed to be protected by copyright law, and then when he realizes that Epic Games is using the dance or a version of the dance, he says, hey, wait a minute, that's the Carlton, that's mine, and I should get paid for that. So he quick goes and files a copyright application and then immediately thereafter files the lawsuit. Now, this ruling by another court on another matter says that before you even have the ability or standing to sue, you must first submit your application to the Copyright Office and let the Copyright Office decide whether or not there is uh, the ability to protect what it is that you're looking to protect. And, and the Copyright Office, you know, the way that copyright law works is 
uh, very similar to, to, to trademark in a sense, is that you submit it and then the government has lawyers that they have reviewing your application and they look at what you're submitting, they look at what the law is, they look at what the case law is, and they make a determination as to whether or not this qualifies as something that should be protected under copyright law. So while it is true that the Fortnite lawsuits have been dismissed, it gives, I think, the reader of these articles a false impression thinking that the courts dismiss these cases. And that's not true. The plaintiff's attorneys voluntarily dismiss the cases because they're waiting for their applications to be addressed. And then if the copyright office says, yes, these are copyright protected claims, then they can go back in and reinstate the lawsuits. So when you read these articles on Fortnite in particular, understand what's being said here. The court has not ruled on whether or not these dance moves are copyright protected. And they're not going to until the copyright office addresses it. In fact, you know, having standing is an element to pretty much every lawsuit. So let's say, for example, let me give you an example of what standing is. So I see that my neighbor has purchased a car and that the car was defectively manufactured. And whatever the issue is, and I say to her, hey, Sally, you know, it looks like you got a defective car there. Um, you should go do something about that. And Sally says, nah, nah, it's not worth it. I don't know, nah. So I'm furious. I'm outraged. How could poor Sally drive around in a car that doesn't work? Well, you know what? I'm not going to just let Sally sit there and take this. There's no way I'm going to go and I'm going to file my own lawsuit on Sally's behalf and I'm going to sue, let's say it's Mercedes-Benz. I'm going to sue Mercedes-Benz because poor Sally got a bum car. So what happens? Well, the judge says, wait a minute. Who are you, lawsuit filer? Who are you, the guardian of justice? Well, you didn't enter into a contract with Mercedes-Benz to buy the car. You didn't enter into a contract with the car dealership. You don't own the car, you don't drive the car, and while it's really, really nice that you feel so sympathetic and so upset for Sally, you don't have the ability to bring a claim because you don't have standing. There is nothing connecting you with the allegations in the complaint other than the fact that you are a concerned and angry citizen, you are a fervent supporter of consumer rights, and you want to take a stand well, take a stand somewhere else because you can't do it in the legal system. You don't have standing. And that's essentially what's going on here with these Fortnite lawsuits. The plaintiffs don't have standing to sue until they fulfill all of these preliminary obligations, one being that they must first apply and get a decision or a ruling from the U.S. Copyright Office before they can then move forward with the cases. And it just irks me when you see a news story that is true in a sense, but not fully explained. And then people read it and they, they, they have these family discussions at Thanksgiving dinner and they're talking about, hey, did you see that article about uh, you know Fortnite? And it was dismissed. I knew you couldn't copyright those dances. Well, I agree with you, but that's not what happened. And so even inadvertently, 
it seems like the media can tend to twist or distort things because we are reading them, not from a legal background, but from an average person, right? An average person says, hey, it was dismissed. Well, who dismissed it? Why would you, a non-lawyer, think that the plaintiff voluntarily dismissed his own case? You wouldn't. You would think that the court dismissed it. And that's where these stories get slightly misleading. So that's going to do it. I hope that um, it, it explains, A, my problem with uh, news stories, and B, what actually is going on with the Fortnite cases. These cases aren't over. They're going to be addressed likely after the Copyright Office rules on them, and it can take months and months, sometimes a year before the Copyright Office uh, is able to issue a decision. So we're going to follow it. We're going to see what's going on and I'll update you accordingly. But hopefully that clears it up and sheds some light on what you're reading. So uh, don't judge a book by its cover and don't trust a headline until you actually look deeper into what the reality of the situation is. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. If you'd like more information about the show, or if you'd like to take advantage of our business and legal self-help resources, including our extensive video library, then visit us online at utlradio.com. You can also find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Now, if you have any questions about any of the topics that you've heard discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for future shows, please feel free to reach out to me directly at pl at pjlesq.com or you can call us at 201-904-2211. Please also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Also, share the information that you receive through this podcast with your family, your friends, and colleagues and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station.